You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns with your host, Jeff Lloyd. Your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, you can get Locked On Browns on the new, bra- uh, brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and obviously a million, million others. And when you get in your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast. Locked on Browns, guys. Uh, look, obviously the way and the everything to continue to make things easier for us as we grow older, which is nice because I'm getting to be a lazy SOB. Guys, I cannot lie. we got some good stuff here with Pete Smith to get to. Um, guys, first things first, hope everybody's enjoying the NCAA tournament. Um, it was nice for me today to actually learn of some of the teams. As things just get busier and busier and busier, guys, I end up losing some things from my life. Um, hopefully, I'll still have a fine, you know, way to fit in my Mets games here, which because I only got to watch about the first six weeks, and then that season will be over. And by that time, guys, we'll be in, uh, you know, almost time for camp. So that'll work out for me. But I uh, hope everybody's enjoying the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, obviously, always a blast. You know, first couple of days are always the most exciting. Um, we're going to get to this here. First things first, Lance Zerlin, uh, I believe it was Yahoo.com. Uh, Lance, great guy, obviously a great draft guy, uh, puts in a ton, a ton of work. Um, and everybody, uh, and Pete, by the way, uh, put out a mock draft today. Justin Lane was not in his top 32. So yeah, now here I got to stick with my giddiness and maybe that dream could still possibly be alive. Who knows? But, uh, also something Lance put out today was, as far as, um, the Odell Beckham trade, the Cleveland Browns, as far as what they maybe are assessing this draft class at, and guys, there's many avenues to this, and me and Pete will try to break it down a little bit, but they didn't feel that maybe they were possibly going to get a player they felt was round one worthy at 17. That is basically what Lance put out there today. Uh, you know, Pete, uh, you know, go ahead and we'll talk about this here a little bit. Um. It's an interesting discussion from a couple of standpoints. If you're looking at it from saying the Giants aren't going to get a first-round value at 17, I think that's almost a, a guaranteed lock because if they take a quarterback with that, that draft pick, they're not going to get maybe third-round value out of that pick. Um, if you're saying from the Browns' standpoint, uh, it's it's tough because it, you know first you start out with the what if Ed Oliver is sitting there or like that. But you know you and I are higher on Justin Lane, and I think with, with – uh, with the the proper backup to say he's worth the 17th pick. But if they don't feel like he's worth the 17th pick, if they don't feel like Devin Bush and Devin White are worth the 17th pick or just are, are, are planning on them not being available. That's other avenues to this, which we're going to get into. Then, then, you know, you, you start planning this out. And if you're the Browns and, and, and look, boards aren't finalized or anything, but if you quickly put up, you know, uh, you, you know, 17 names, uh, you know, to make sure you get to the first round and you're basically taking off uh, the amount of guys that you're, you're, you're basically planning won't be there. And w- when you get to that 17th guy, if you're saying this just isn't playing worth it, uh, you can make that case. And, you know, I, I'm always going to say there's always value to be had in any draft, but and there's still time and there's pro days and everything still to go. But I am finding, you know, this is Draft class is getting thinner, certainly thinner than last year's class uh, in terms of raw talent. There are less guys where you're just sitting there being, 
super excited and, and guys that aren't living up to their billing, you know, Jalen Ferguson, the latest in that with his, you know, and the, the, it's a, it's the three cone and, and agility stuff he had is a little, you know, in the weeds with some of these things, but certainly you're not sitting there going, man, I got to take him in the first round. I mean, he tested like a, a bad defensive tackle at this like point. Like a sloth. <laughs> right. So like, you know, Cleveland Farrell, there's some major question marks, which I didn't anticipate there being. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of guys that are sort of falling in terms of not meeting those expectations where once you get past Queen and Williams and Ed Oliver and a couple of these other guys, it's a stretch. Like, there's nobody in the receiver class where you're going, yeah, 17th pick, got to have it. Linebacker in general, even even if you love Devin White and Devin Bush and, and they are there – you may not feel like that's a great pick. And, and and we go back to John Dorsey and his history is he's looking at those those big four or five spots, quarterback. They're not taking one of those, and they're certainly not going to get a first-round value there. Uh, offensive line, if Andre Dillard's off the board, that's probably not going to be there. You know, But that's what we view Andre Dillard as. Sure, We're sure. not sure and, where John's at with it, yes. Sure, but I mean, that's – and. and whether he is or he isn't, he may be off the board anyway. Uh, you know, corner. Well, I'll jump in here. Jonah Williams is another prime example. Prime example. Dan Shanka and guys, me and Pete have talked about this. We're not sure Jonah Williams is going to make his living on the island as a left tackle, so that takes him out of top twenty consideration. Dan Shanka, an older guy who's been on the show, has worked with John Dorsey, so I don't know if he's got the ass to play left tackle. Now, these older guys, they all kind of, you know, and guys who work together, they there is some similar thinking. So it's very, it could be very realistic that within the Cleveland Browns and the way they view Jonah Williams is an interior player. So, yeah, that's going to take him off the board as a possible guy that would have been at 17. Yeah, and so you're left with corner and defensive line. And defensive line is getting tougher. I mean, if Ed Oliver goes, you know, where he should, um, you're, you're, you're reaching at that point. I don't and know how point, Ed Oliver's name still getting mentioned in the teams. It's insane what, to me. What you, no, but even still, if you had your concerns, oh, well, we're concerned about the weight. Okay, that's squashed. If you had your concerns about, oh, well, you know, is he is 32, 32 reps, right? Wasn't it 32? So you don't uh, have those. Like 32, I think yeah. it's thirty-two. So those were. I mean, the concerns you wanted to make for Ed Oliver are gone now. I mean, he should now be considered. You know, Quinton Williams is probably going to go ahead of him, just because it, it does. There's, you know, it, it's the ebbs and flows. And right now, he had a better rolling into this period than Ed Oliver. Um, the pro day, Ed Oliver, his his numbers are going to be a little bit questioned because it's a pro day. But Ed Oliver being in the teens is is just stupid talk, in my opinion. Right. Well, at this point, the fear is the Bengals take him. Like, that's the nightmare for me. I do not want to see that dude twice a year for the next, you know, five to ten years. I just don't. He's a great player. Like, that. to me, I get to the point where not only do, do I use this to sort of get a sense of where I would value guys, uh, which is basically saying how, how scared would I be as uh, you know, from a Brown standpoint, if player X ends up in the division, yep. you know, for example, you know, with him, you know, Ed Oliver to the Bengals, Dwayne Haskins to the Bengals. I don't like either of those scenarios. There are very few guys in that scenario. But, but anyway, getting back to the point, Devin the other Bush part to the Steelers, is, but go ahead. Yes, I knew that would be in yours. Um, <laughs> 
let's say you let's say the Browns love Justin Lane and they say we would take him at 17. The other question you have to answer is is the drop off from what you would take at 17 to 49 enough where you're so stressed that you're not going to make that 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 pull that trigger whether it's Julian Love, whether it's the kid from Penn State or someone else, you know, you, you're a big Rocky Sin guy, you know, is that worth you know, effectively 32 picks. Um, and my guess is for the Browns, the answer is no. So that's the other part of it. So at that point, it becomes very easy to say, not only do we love Beckham and everything he brings, uh, but uh, there's no way that the Giants are going to get near the return that the Brown that we hope we are with Beckham. Um, now certainly that's yeah. got to actually work itself out. But it just comes down to valuation here. What is valued at the board at 17 versus what are you going to get theoretically from Beckham? You know, he doesn't have to do anything else. He just has to be himself and not be hurt, and he will be great. And and that's the huge factor here. And even still, you know, look, as much as Pete and I love Justin Lane and, you know, what we think he could be, the Browns are saying, am I going to draft my number two corner at 17? And even still, if you draft a corner at 17, you know, they liked what Terrence Mitchell did last year. They liked what TJ Carey did. How many reps would there be if they took a corner at 17 as opposed to Odell Beckham, who comes in and is now, you know, it, it, as much as we all love this, and we had, we had talked about this product up until the point we got Odell, we love Nick. We love David. Uh, you know, Higgins and maybe bringing back Paramid and Callaway for a second year. Odell is now the dude. Um, you know anybody, and I've, I've gotten a couple of questions. These fantasy wise, Odell, the yardage, the touchdowns should still be there. I think the receptions will probably drop off a little bit because look, nothing's you know Baker right now is still Baker Mayfield. He is the you know painter with the palette. He is going to find the guy who's open and get him the ball. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. gets open a lot, guys. But the the thing is, is now you're viewing a cornerback who may not start from day one. And you have other cornerbacks versus the value of Odell Beckham. Um, and maybe John Dorsey saying, Ed Oliver ain't going to be there at 17. Am I going to risk not getting Odell Beckham Jr. to watch Ed Oliver go at 14 or 15? No. Or 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 use the assets to go up and get him. Like That would be also factored in. What is worth yep. more to me? <clears throat> Potentially, you know, Odell Beckham for the package they got or giving up A, B, and C to get Ed Oliver or whoever it is. And they had Sheldon Richardson committed when the Giants finally said, well, I mean, look, obviously nothing was official yet at the point, but Sheldon Richardson, they were agreed. So now he knew, you know, he had concerns along the D-line. He had already made the deal for Olivier Vernon. He had already had Sheldon Richardson say, yeah, I'm coming. So that's it. Now I I don't have a, a room for a starting defensive lineman. So, you know, and look, at Sheldon's deal the way it is on paper. And look, if you guys have noticed, with almost all of these free agency deals, a lot of them are two-year contingent, if not one-year contingent. That lockout there, it, it is an issue. It, it's, it, it, that is still something there. But look, if it's not, everybody's certainly pretending like it is because <laughs> everything is geared towards what happens after 2020. You got, there's going to be that Super Bowl, and then everybody's just, it's just going to be like, all right. Now what? But it, it's it's real. It's legit, guys. Look, I mean, it's nothing to spend too much time talking about now um, because look, it's still light years away and the Browns are going to get to play two football seasons before that. But do not think that, that that is not something there. But the factor is, is 
it, you know, it, you put all of this in. If the Browns are saying maybe they think there's, and look, it's not uncommon to say we view that there are 17 players who carry a first round grade. Um, I think it was Matt Miller who said 19, and John Ledyard I think was you know somewhere between 17 and 19, and these guys who evaluate every player, every drop of them. So if that's what you're saying, I mean, so if it's the of the 17, maybe 19 guys who carry a first round grade. You figure, so you maybe have a shot at what, three or four of them, and then you factor in what are they worth versus Odell Beckham Jr., and you you just go and do it. And it was great for Lance to bring this up because it brought up a great, you know, for him to do this and have this information because it brought up a great talk, talking point, but you're getting a wide receiver who's going to turn 26. I'm pretty sure Odell's birthday is, I want to say, like early November, November 4th, something like that. He's a Scorpio, yeah. Yeah, I mean November second, I believe. Yeah, so the the value that you just you just you just don't shy away from it. Well, and there's there's two more points I would make on this. One, Odell in. Beckham, Odell Beckham, proven commodity, in that you're not waiting for a rookie to figure it out. You got you it. You are expecting Odell Beckham to be good right now, and if he's not, you know that's where the deal's gonna get criticized. The other thing is, I think when we get through all this, the 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 the, the most valuable part of the deal that the Browns gave up is going to be Jabril Peppers. I think, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, I expect the Giants are going to take a quarterback with that pick, but let's say they don't and they don't take a quarterback at all. I think Jabril Peppers is going to give them more than they get from anything else they would take there. I think when we look back on it, if for whatever reason disaster strikes or even if it, you know, even if it works out exactly as we all hope it does, I think that there is going to be you know, understandably, people looking, even if the Giants are awful, and looking at Jabril Peppers, who I think will be very good, continue to be good, uh, you know, may end up in Hawaii a few times or sh- sh- well, or wherever, Orlando or whatever the hell it is now. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, even if the Browns are good and going to the playoffs, there are, I, I think that we, some of us are still going to be looking back, man, it would be fun if Jabril was still here because he's doing A, B, and C for the Giants. He is, he is a great player. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident right now that as much as people are more worried about losing that first round pick that really the the best the best asset they gave up was peppers well i mean look i mean you know and jabril obviously you know became on to be a great player um for the giants it seems like you're kind of doing it the wrong way i mean you don't build your defense from the back to the front well, they which... filled a hole they just replaced the, they filled the hole that they they created with landon collins okay but all right but in that, like that's insane to me like that's that's the calculus that you you gave up this you know arguably the best receiver in football for a hole you didn't need to have like that's of course how insane this feels like you know if you're if you're a Giants fan well there's I mean in that's I mean look nobody knows what's going on there and but and the other thing is you know Jabril you know he may play Pro Bowl caliber of football but are you gonna get a you know a strong safety from a three and thirteen team into a Pro Bowl? I don't know. I mean, it, it, you know, and look, God bless Jabril. He's going to be a good player. He's going to play well there. And, you know, obviously now there's going to be a lot on his plate because he was a part of a really, really nice unit where now, I mean, the, the pressure is on because, you know, he's, you know, he he he's the best player on that defense. So here he's going to be in year three going back home to New York and he's going to be the best player on a defense and a team that's, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's Saquon Barkley and, I guess Jabril Peppers, I guess, would be your headliners on both sides of the ball. 
Um, guys, just remember, uh, guys and gals, um, to get the show every day, subscribe to Locked on Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In every expanding podcast, in an ever-expanding world, you need Himalaya with their personally uh, curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Browns. All right, Pete. Um, we had a West Virginia Pro Day today. Uh, you know, apparently Will Greer threw well. It's fantastic, guys. I mean, it's almost to the point like if you handed me paper on quarterbacks, I would literally throw them in the air. Peter likes Gardner Minshew. I kind of like Jackson from Buffalo. But, I mean, seriously, it's it's all about six here. Interesting name out of West Virginia. And good player. Nice tape. Nice production. Uh, you know, for a guy who looks a little bit undersized, you know, gets into a lot of activity, mixes it up. Um, did field drills, but uh, Pete David Long, and I know there's a lot of guys, Brown-wise, who kind of like the name, kind of like the player. It, it, a lot of these guys that we're, we're getting later, later in the process, and we're not getting some of the numbers. We need the production. We need the tape, and we would like the testing numbers. Yeah, um, he's one of the more interesting linebackers uh, in that he is undersized. He looks very, very fast on tape, and in that three-three-five defense, he has a ton of responsibility. Covers a ton of ground, is asked to do a lot, and he is not afraid. He will get mixed up in there. He will take on contact. He can blitz. He can fly around and do stuff. Like he seems like an ideal will type linebacker. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, he's cited a a high ankle sprain. He said he suffered at the Senior Bowl, so he hasn't done any workouts yet. Um, so I don't, and I have not seen a scheduled makeup date. But yeah, you want to see some numbers, you want to see some stuff, and and people can talk about how stupid numbers are and all that. But it, you know, it's like you know, you don't want to, you don't want to just eyeball uh, building some shelves and stuff. You actually want to measure. Um, that's kind of what we want to do here is just not eyeball it. Um, but he should be in the conversation, and he is a guy that looks like he would fit really well in with what Steve Wilkes wants to do because he is aggressive. He loves to attack. He made a ton of plays in the backfield. But beyond him, um, West Virginia has a ton of players coming out this year. Uh, he's really, I think, the only one on off, uh, on defense. They're yep. almost all on offense. Will Greer obviously is is you know the big name there, but and I'm not a big David Sills guy. But the guy I do like is the other receiver. Um, Jennings. Yes. Jennings, who, you know, was not not as highlighted as much because David Sills was the story, the former quarterback, all this. Offered uh, a scholarship at 13 years old by Liam yes. Kiffin. God bless him. But Gary, Gary Jennings is, you know, a big kid. He's 6'1", 214. He's got some speed. Um, not super agile, but he's a guy who – uh, can go down the field and make some plays and do some possession stuff and 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 things like that, uh, you know. And he's probably going to be a guy, another in that range of day three targets uh, that could be of interest to a team like the Browns. Uh, so he's one to keep an eye on. He did all of his testing at the combine. So if he did anything today, it was just field work. Uh, I'm sure he was out there catching passes for his quarterback. Um, you know, just like Paris Campbell was before he went down uh, with with the hammy. Uh, so yeah, he's a guy to keep, keep track of. So David Long continues to be a guy to watch. He's a guy that's certainly interesting to, uh, keep an eye on as a potential target. Um, you know, when, if, and when they do announce a makeup date, you know, it may be another that, uh, you know, is that first week of April or whatever to try to get some numbers. I will be curious if 
you know, because there are so many make updates with that, if, you know, if, if it becomes more, maybe more indicative, if the Browns are visiting one of these makeup type deals or something along those lines. So we, we shall see. Yeah. It's getting really, really strange with the, I mean, it, we talked about this last night. The numbers don't seem to be flowing through. Um, some guys are, you know, whatever it is, injured, whatever. I mean, we, you need it and it's part of it. And, you know, we've talked about it. You know, me and Pete, we like the production. We do the tape. We like the numbers. You want to have a great mix of everything, with a player, um, it's you know, so, so it makes it tough. It, it makes it really tough. And the last thing you want is to find out, you know, somebody who you have seen nothing on, and to use long just here, you know, as a guy in that you know this realm. And th- what we're talking about is find out, you know, April sixth, he ran a four four nine or a four five one, and it sends everybody scrambling, and it, and it'll do it for NFL teams too. Um, Pete, we did get a word of an official visit here today, um, and this obviously led to a, a, a bunch into my mentions here. Um, Pete, I know you were a fan, and we, you know, obviously we, you know, we had guys down in, in Tampa covering uh, obviously the Shrine Game, Nebraska running back Devon Zebago. Uh, pronounce the last name, Pete. Usually better with these than I am. Are we talk about Divine Zigbo. There we go. Yes. Yeah. If if you know. It, it, this may just be a due diligence thing, but if the Browns, you know, ultimately do move on from Duke Johnson, I, I think Ozigbo is a with, fantastic. I mean, with, with Duke, there's where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. I mean, I think this is ultimately going to happen at some point. It's just a question of when. So if they want another back that can do, you know, more in between the tackle stuff, more aggressive in in, in on the inside with some size, who can catch the ball. Ozigbo's got that. He's he's a big, thick back. In a lot of ways, he looks, you know, this is a man that has been. Through. Well, he, he yeah, he looks like Kareem Hunt. I mean, it's funny because this guy's been thrown out like in some, you know, half-assed defensive Josh Jacobs. But really, if you look at it, Ozigbo is what you know a lot of what Kareem Hunt did in college. He catches the ball. He's got some size, and he, he's a good runner. Um, so. You know, if they want a third back because, you know, they're going to miss him for half the season or, you know, they want a guy for after Kareem Hunt or because Kareem Hunt can't make it, um, he seems like a great fit. And he's not just a, you know, as has as as Duke is continuously being sort of uh, molded into. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's just sort of viewed as a slot receiver who occasionally plays running back. And there is, you know, there is, you know, quotes from him. There are quotes talking about he likes being a receiver. He, you know, the, the idea that he would probably rather be a receiver. Oh, Zigbo's a real running back who just happens to do these other things. Um, so, yeah, that it becomes a really interesting player. And if you watch him, you know, he's one of a couple players I really like from this Nebraska team along with Stanley Morgan Jr., but he's just a really good running back that could fill a hole, uh, give Nick Chubb help, do a little bit of different, uh, little bit of a different look with Chubb, but is realistically just continuing that same type of, uh, that, that same mold of back. Like they're, you know, Chubb to Duke is a significant change from one style to the other. Whereas Ozigbo is, is, maybe a small tweak but they're really doing a lot of the same things and keeping that sort of 
you know that backfield really going the same direction and just getting a little bit of a different flavor. But the one thing I do like with that is just the you know size, size, size. I mean, I think he's upper two twenties. He might be measured at two thirty. Um, but yeah, that that becomes an interesting player. Two twenty two. All right, so you know that's a good size back. Uh, but he's a really nice athlete, very productive. A uh, little bit older for a running back, but that's that's not the end of the world. But they could really come in and, and give them, uh, I think, a quality back. And it, you know, if they do go this route, and Kareem Hunt is you know a good boy uh, and keeps it under control, and they have those three guys for that stretch run, that's that looks like a hell of a grouping uh, to hopefully you know make a push into the playoffs for the next you know two years. Uh, or this year, and then we'll see what happens with Hunt. Well, I mean, there's a couple things here, and the way we go with it. Um, first things first. Um, you know, Hilliard played a nice role last year, and I mean, y- you got to think something's up when Freddie Kitchens let this kid throw a pass before he actually ever let him actually carry the ball. He's never carried the ball in the NFL, so you know where he's viewed and what he's viewed at. And this isn't in in no way. And knock on Dontrell Hilliard. But I, I do believe Duke Johnson will not be a part of the 2019 Cleveland Browns. Um, I think maybe some of it's on Duke's part. Duke wants to go play ball. We've talked about this, guys, at nauseum. It, it's, the running back position, You, it's it, it's ingrained into your body. And Duke was a high, high touch guy in his days at Miami. And now he's viewed as... Basically, by everybody, mostly a receiver who you know you're going to give some handoffs to. I don't necessarily think he wants that. I think he wants a bigger piece of the puzzle. There's places he could go. Uh, you know, Kansas City actually kind of would be one that would be interesting if he got a chance to go play there. Um, but I just think the separation is here. And if you were only going to use him to throw him some passes for the five million dollars you're going to pay him, yeah, it, it, maybe it doesn't make sense from both sides. And, and maybe it's time to make a clean break there. And Kareem Hunt, guys, he is not going to be here for the first eight games of the season. So, God forbid, and we've, we've mentioned this a million times, if Nick Chubb somehow is out for a week or two, you know, now Dontrell Hilliard is your featured back, who Freddie Kitchens never, trust, Freddie Kitchens never trusted enough to give a carry to. That's a problem, especially when your aspirations are to win a division. And look, John Dorsey won't say it, and I don't blame him for not saying it. Don't put any more pressure on this party that's already going on. You need more. So you bring in a guy like a Zigbo, um, and it, he'd be an interesting guy. And, and like you know, I agree with Pete. He can kind of, and this is what I've said, and guys, I've brought up Benny Snell. These, this is a guy who can give you this. I mean, and look, with this receiving core, you're gonna put it out there with Odell and Najoku and Callaway, and with a lot of these athletes out there. And I put out the tweet the other day with the binoculars or whatever. Yeah, there's not going to be many guys in the box. So you better get the yards that are coming to you. Zigbo can do that. Now with Kareem Hunt, guys, Kareem Hunt is here for a couple of reasons. To serve his suspension, get his reputation corrected, and get freaking paid, and go on to his next destination. This is going to be, it's going to be Kareem Hunt for eight regular season games. It's going to be Kareem Hunt, if he doesn't screw up, doesn't spit the bit, Kareem Hunt for what should be a playoff run, and then they will put a tender on him. Somebody's going to offer him a good contract because now it's the the new trouble stink will be off of Kareem Hunt, and somebody's going to offer him some money. He's going to go on off to another city, 
and the Browns will recruit the, the draft choice, I mean, the draft pick of, you know, the tender they put on him. That's the way it's going to work out. But then that'll put you going into 2020 with Nick Chubb and Dontrell Hilliard if you don't address this position any further. So why don't you get somebody in here, get their feet wet, and guys, it's it, the plan is there, and it, it, it's kind of Kareem Hunt is kind of similar to the Brock Os, uh, Brock Osweiler thing, Pete, right? I mean, you're you're going to gain the future asset for, but and there'll be something temporary in between. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's an element of it where it's it does seem like you know this is also trying to catch lightning in a bottle this year. Um, you know, but, it, but I mean, you it, bring all you bring all your boys to the fight. Sure, I mean, there's no question that that you know that, that this is ultimately a value play. They are hoping hoping to get something for him, but you know, at the same time, you know, they you know they are also looking at this, going, man, if we get you know he's back, uh, fresh and you know motivated and ready to go, and we get you know he comes back for that, basically gets gets ready in November and he's basically ready to hit on all cylinders. And this is not as a starter, but as a contributor, um, you know, and they get to the playoffs that the combination of Chubb carrying the load and then Kareem Hunt, and maybe he gets a hot hand in the game. Oh, the, it, there would be games where Hunt would probably outproduce Chubb. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So if it works yeah, out I mean, right, that's part of sure. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they can get that, you know, and he can win you a game, uh, then you know it. It's going to completely to them justify the acquisition. Now we the big thing is is he going to even make it to that point? Um, you hope. Not to color me spectacle, uh, skeptical. But <laughs> eventually I'll talk. Uh, at at uh, it does give them options, and and I think this is part of what they want to do is is the other benefit to having Kareem Hunt is it d- d- allows them to be patient. Um, so if a guy like Ozigbo is where they want it to be or Benny Snell or whoever, they don't have to chase it. It just comes to them. They grab it, plug him in, and go. Well, and the thing with Hunt is, you know, you, you can – obviously Hilliard would stay in the fold because, you know, you're going to run with three running backs. Hilliard, he becomes the Duke at that point. Yes. And, and the big thing for the first, is for he the has first... to be able to block. Yes, he has but, to be yes. able to block because Duke can do that. But if he can do that, um, you know, he was a guy I really liked last year um, at minicamp and everything. He's unbelievably athletic, uh, and he, he's electric when you get the ball in his hands. But if you get in him where he becomes a guy where, like, you know, there's a game where he gets, you know, five touches and, and, and can break a big play, you know, he's doing what he needs to do. Yes, but even still, though, because if you so if you end up with four and you're only playing three each week once Kareem Hunt comes back, Kareem Hunt's a pretty damn good receiver out of the backfield. So Kareem can kind of give you a little bit what Duke did, and it's great that Duke can do slot receiver things. I don't know if there's an opening for that now because if you have Odell, you have Callaway. If Higgins comes back, Jarvis it could be. Is, if I but, had my way. But yeah, yeah, you know where I'm going with this, you know. But I mean, you would have Jarvis would be a slot. You'd be good at the slot, so you're paying five million dollars for Duke Johnson for you know a couple opportunities per game. But then you could move forward into 2020 with a guy like you know, uh, obviously with Nick, a guy like a Zigbo or or you know a Benny Snell or a Hilliard, and you still got the same momentum and the same flow going. But this is, it's just a great move to keep every asset possible. I mean, you're I, I looking. Don't, 
I don't rule out the possibility that they could ultimately move Dontrell Hilliard to the practice squad midseason without too much issue. Or he just like, becomes a guy who ends up inactive. I mean, it's, right, you know, right, right. of course. But, like, you know, if they get three guys, you know, Hunt comes back week eight during the middle of the season, I, I, I don't think they'd have any problem getting him to the practice squad. And then, you know, if somebody goes down or something or whatever. But, yeah, just like O-line last year, you can't up, yeah. You can't expect to have the same this the running back scenario you you want week in week out like you did in 2018. And the same thing with the old line. Eventually, these injuries are going to catch up with the Browns. Yep. All right, guys. We do have a bunch of good listener questions here, and uh, I'm going to uh, well, let's see here. We'll get we'll get to those. Let me bring those up here, guys. Uh, iTunes rating reviews. Um, keep those coming. Uh, keep dropping those five stars. I appreciate it, guys. The written reviews here. Um, we've had a really, you know, as I mentioned last night, we've had a really great run lately. Uh, it, it means a lot, you know, the, the receptiveness you guys are giving to the show here. You know, Pete and I are pounding out, the, you know, the, the daily stuff, this type of stuff. You know, we're bringing in other guests, you know, Stephen Thomas, John Costco. You know, uh, you know, we're going to get, you know, I've got, I've got a couple more draft interviews we're going to do here. Um, you guys don't really love those, but I think you're going to love a couple more that we have coming here. Definitely a little Cleveland flavor to those. So, you know, I, I appreciate everything, though. But iTunes, rating reviews, guys. Um, go ahead, get over there, drop a five-star written review for me right now in between, you know, TV timeouts on the uh, tournament. Thanks. Pete, I guess we will start with our good buddy, Jeff Rosen, right off the bat. And, and look, uh, Jeff... Uh, look, me, Pete, Jeff. It's you know, there'll be a time where we will all get together. God help the bartender who's going to be there. Um, Pete may have to be the guy to carry people out of there. There may be a story whether or not Pete has experience with that. But Pete, pick forty nine. What is the pick that we're in, guys? Pete gets upset sometimes, and there's times where Pete's got to drop a gavel down. Pete, pick forty nine. What's the one where Pete Smith's going to be looking at trying to climb his way into the offices in Berea? Right. So the the Deshaun Kaiser, as it were, would be uh, <laughs> for me is, would be Trayvon Mullen, the corner out of Clemson. He's athletic. He's got some decent length. He didn't produce at all. And I pointed this out. And I'm going to continue to point this out. Cleland Farrell, the defensive end from Clemson, had as many pass breakups this year as Trayvon Mullen, the corner at Clemson. That should be a concern for anyone. Um, it's to me, he's one of a few players. Trail Mars, the other one, and maybe that that fairy tale ended when he ran a four nine five. It should have ended. It should have ended when he got replaced in the national championship game. But go ahead. Right. It, it, <laughs> it just this is tends to be what happens is you get players on really really good teams that sort of get credit. That really, it's dubious if they deserve as much credit. Doesn't mean they weren't good players in college. It just means they aren't great pro prospects. And Alabama obviously is a team that has done this quite a bit, where you know you have, and this year won't be no different. Where you've got Queen and Williams, legit stud. You've got a bunch of underclassmen who are great, but it doesn't mean everybody's good coming out of that program, and you end up with a lot of these misses. Ohio State. You know, even when they've been national championship good, they've had some great, great, great players. You know, Ezekiel Elliott coming off that team, uh, Joey Bosa coming off that team, but then you get the Adolphus Washingtons and guys like that who, who got a little more credit than maybe they deserved in terms of how great they are going Jaylen forward. Jalen Marshall. 
Jalen Marshall, who who people thought was was going to be like a second round pick, went either seventh round or undrafted, and he's currently playing in the AAF. Um, playing and, well and there, every, though. We'll give him that. He's doing great. <laughs> he's, he is actually doing great. And everything about that declaration at that time was he knew he was going to lose reps. Like the, you know, the, he he was going to get replaced. This, you know, th- this is more of a situation with these guys where it's the they're trying to strike while the iron's hot. All the other guys left. Their defensive line all graduated or or is declared. Basically, everybody's emptying out. They don't want to be, you know, stuck around. They, they're trying to get out and, and assuming they're going to go high. And and it would not surprise me at all if Trayvon Mullen does go high. But I just don't see it. And to me, he's the perfect guy that ends up on the Steelers and gives them nothing, which is what I'm rooting for. Uh, in the lines of Artie Burns and those type of guys. It's just – and it's not just because Trayvon Mullen is not good. It's also because the guys you would be passing up at the same position are so much better, whether it's, God forbid, you, uh, Justin Lane is sitting there at 49 or uh, Julian Love is sitting there or some of the other players, DeAndre Baker at that point. If You know, you still got to vet question marks there, but he's just a better player. So – yeah, that's that's the nightmare scenario for me right now. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's high for a guy or two who cover the drafts with some with some juice. There's no doubt about it. But um, I don't know if the uh, rewards ever going to meet the rub on Trayvon Mullen. And if you guys do look around and you know if you want to have some fun, uh, ask some of the guys at the Draft Network or some other guys or a Dane Brugler and. Ask him who the best Clemson cornerback available is in this draft. See the answer you get on that one, guys. Um, now, here's a good, pretty good question. Actually, uh, Chris Wilson here. I like this one. Um, which need is the more pressing need currently? Linebacker, safety, or cornerback? This one's pretty good, so go ahead, Pete. You start, and I'll go from here. I'll say safety only because uh, there's less there. Um I, I don't I don't disagree that if you can get a good corner, um, that that would be great. Like again, if Justin Lane is there forty nine, it's strength great. In numbers. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. But at the same time, and I think you're with me on this, we are fans of Terrence Mitchell. Like we like what he brings. I you know I, I've said it before. I'll continue saying Terrence it. Mitchell before the broken arm. I mean, you when you got a cornerback too. Intercepting balls, forcing turnovers, like Terrence Mitchell balled out and then broke his arm, and it was kind of came back, and you know there were other guys involved, but Terrence Mitchell had a really, really good start to the 2018 season. I, I will continue to say I really think he helped set a tone for that that secondary when, and it wasn't the interceptions, although those are great too. It was the physicality mm-hmm. and the willingness to go up and make plays and rip the ball out. He, I can't remember. I, I'm assuming it was him. He ripped. He just straight the took game. the ball from Mike, Michael Thomas. No, but it was also the Jets game too, where he, you know he made that one, and Denzel Ward ended up recovering it, and yeah. that, that led to the, the the touchdown and the Baker catching the two point reception. But I, I I just think he's not a great corner, but he has played great in spots for the Browns. But again, it's the tone he set. For this group, I think you know when he had that first, those first few games where he had a really nice run, and, and he ripped the ball out of Michael Thomas, and yep. and that and that gave you that oh wait a minute, that was that moment where you're like wait whoa who is this group, um and and I do think there there he sort of 
made it so you had to step, you know, this was where the line is. You better step up. And I think in some ways that put Denzel Ward there. And it, it, those two combined just started becoming a problem for teams, making tackles that people weren't sure they were going to make, showing up and, and taking the ball away. And those guys really started that reputation where this was going to be a, a team that caused a ton of turnovers when they were like plus eight turnover margin in like the first half of the season, whatever it was, he was a massive part of that. And, you know, and I think part of the attrition was on the defensive line, but I also think that broken wrist uh, for him really stopped, you know, when, when those things started catching up with them, that's when those turnovers really started to slow down a little bit. And I, you know, I've been saying, I can't wait to see what he's able to do when he's hundred percent. And, you know, I'm fully prepared for him to take a, a step back in year two. Um, because e- even when they signed him, it was almost like a, you know, and here's this guy. Like TJ Carey was the big signing. And, oh, by the way, we're getting Terrence Mitchell. Dorsey knows him from the Chiefs. Let's see what he can do. It doesn't cost very much. Maybe he'll give you something. And, you know, he ultimately won that competition, played really well. So we shall see if that continues. But safety, on the other hand, I like Derek Kindred. I really like him in the role he's there to perform, which is essentially an extra linebacker. When he gets isolated in coverage, you know, and, and that's you know, specifically manipulated to to make that situation where Eric Ebron is suddenly having uh, Derek Kindred one on one, and you're just like, oh, <laughs> this is going to be a problem, and and it was. That's you know, I want another guy over there, and there's certainly a number of avenues to go in that you know that spectrum of what type of safety you want there but it's Demarius Randall, Derek Kindred and who's behind them right now it's nothing so that's the bigger concern for me uh so yeah um look i mean and the reason I'll rule that cornerback and look and even TJ Carey i mean I, Pete and I always go back to that Falcon game and you know he he gave Julio Jones an absolute run for his money um Hansy yeah, but that's what happens when you're a third, fourth corner. You're, you're going to get a little handsy. Uh, Tavier Thomas is certainly a guy that could play into this mix. We're not sure how he's felt about in that building. Um, John Dorsey, the football guy, knowing Tavier played you know, the last few weeks you know, with uh, a hernia that needed to eventually be you know, operated on. That's, you know, that's something that usually wins over your old traditional football guys. Uh, linebacker, we're going to play. There's going to be a lot of nickel. There's going to be a lot of dime. I, you got Jannard Avery. We're not sure if you know they're going to balance that with. It, it's going to be safety. You're going to need a mixture here. And guys, I did send Pete a DM the other day, and I did say, may, you know, as much as I love Taylor Rapp, I do think that maybe uh, Pete's uh, boy Juan Thornhill would maybe be the better fit at 49 if you go safety there. Because Juan Thornhill can kind of do both. He was a cornerback, so obviously he can get some free safety type stuff. All right, Pete, go ahead, take that win. Well, <laughs> sure, but, I mean, here's the thing. is like all these, you know, I, I, I'm not getting into the draft simulator war. They're great. I love having them. Um, but how often we're sitting here with you Juan know, Thornhill all these at things. 80. Juan Thor- yeah, Juan Thornhill at 80, and it's like – First, it's part of you is going, okay, like, 
let's do it. The other part of me is going, this guy's so, so goddamn good. If he makes it that far, something insane happens. No, because normally a guy at UVA doesn't have, like, this mystery baggage. Like, UVA, the thing with University of Virginia, guys, it's, it's a really, really good academic school. They don't recruit problem kids. These kids, oh, no, part of the no. reason... They do what? not. They send the riffraff to Blacksburg straight yes. up. They'll tell you that. Yes, they, are, because, they, they yes. get mad because Virginia Tech wins, but they they send those Hampton Roads kids down to uh, down to Blacksburg, uh, which is a huge issue. I've got a bunch of family in Charlottesville, so occasionally I, I catch some of this stuff. But yeah, they no, but also, would like, love get, to get those know. kids up there. But they have their academic standards, and they're not bending them. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's you know I don't want to say you know maybe Notre Dameish, but like you do need to meet the, you know, and I do not, guys. I will base the AC, SE, uh, SATs off of when I was, but for me it was sixteen hundred. Like Virginia, it was you better have thirteen hundred if you're going to set the application, and you better have close to a four Like University of Virginia is a very very prestigious prestigious academic institution and if you want to know why their football team isn't winning ACC conference titles is because they stand by it so you know you do not get usually get guys from UVA who are problem children it's just not the way those guys are wired and Juan Thornhill it it's interesting it it would definitely work and if you said all right well here's a rookie we don't want to put so much on his plate and he still kept Derek Kindred. I don't care if you're maybe telegraphing the type of deal you're doing because Kindred's on the field as opposed to Thornhill. Um, if you're going to be the dominant team, who cares? Beat us. So well, that- there's that, but there's also you know, and we talk about well, the Browns need more linebacker help. If they get a guy like Juan Thornhill and they're confident in him, or they you know, and let's let's pretend it's they sign a free agent. Um, you know, they get they, let's say they trade Boston. They get trade Boston just for the sake of argument. And they go, well, we're not sure about our linebacker position. Let's not rule out the possibility that Derek Hindred can be a linebacker. That's essentially what he's been doing. You may not want him to take on the freaking boss block up the middle, but <laughs> he's a guy who gets up the field and will make tackles and make plays. Um, is he, you know, does he satisfy the position? Are you are you set there? No, but it's certainly another option. Um, you know, again, if you look at Wilkes in Arizona, they were not afraid to put one linebacker on the field and a bunch of safeties and stuff like that. And obviously we talked about the Chargers with that. That is an option. It may not be the best option, but that is another avenue they can look at, um, you know, for that that super uh, – when they face a ton of receivers on the field, they want to take a linebacker off, but they want to have some credibility against the run, they could conceivably put Derek Kindred at will. No, there's no doubt about it. Um, our buddy across the pond, Paul Brown, who would win in a game of chess? Pete versus Jeff. Pete, do you play chess? It's been a while, but I'm best betting I've played more than you have. Um, I do play. I, I, I've played it. Um, it'd be interesting to see if we, there's a way we could ever actually uh, make that happen. Uh, a game of chess. Uh, I don't know. I like my rooks. I do. I like my rooks. <laughs> so that, uh, that wouldn't be too hard. To, it wouldn't be too hard to make that happen. Yeah. So I mean, that'd be a fun one. Uh, yeah, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. One day. One day. Uh, you know, a lot of beer for Jeff, a lot of Tangerine tonics for Pete. We'll figure that one out. <laughs> what? 
Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see. We've got one more here. And actually, this guy sent in a bunch of them. So let's see which one I like here. The best of it is... Okay, this one actually, this one's actually really good. What is your ideal position? If you were going to say, you know, put it in positional rank here for picks, obviously it'd be 49, it'd be 80, the first, you know, fourth round pick. What would be the way, Pete, as far as the way the, the draft snowballs and some names here, 49, 80, fourth round of the, you know, the biggest needs on this, you know, for what's left here? Well, I mean, if I draw it up, you know, in the ideal, I, I would get a four, corner at forty nine, presumably Justin Lane. If that we're gonna we're gonna talk about like that ideal, eighty. Uh, you know, I, I would you know, I would love to get Juan Thornhill at that point. But the guy I have earmarked, if if the NFL is gonna mess around and let this dude sit there, uh, and, and it, it's weird though because some of these Virginia guys slip. They yeah, I don't know why. Maybe it's the oh my god, maybe they're smarter and too smart, and they have other aspirations besides football. That can be part of it. But the you know the guy that if they're going to let him sit around and hang out there is Kalen Saunders at eighty. Yep. Um, so at that point, defensive tackle, uh, and then you get to the fourth round. I, I'm looking at offensive tackle, uh, and and the ideal at that point is Uliudo for me. But yeah, if you draw this up perfectly, it, essentially what it ends up being is one player in the secondary, one player on the defensive line, one player on the offensive line. I, I don't. I, I agree with you there, and I guess I'll just take this to the next step. Then you get to the fifth round where it's now, all right. Let's get a running back. Um, is there a running? Is there a wide receiver I like here? You know, so and, and that's where you can grab linebackers. You can get yes. dudes that can help you. Gary Johnson, um, uh, the kid from Notre Dame who is now better than the guy that we had touted for a Drew, few months. Uh, Drew Tranquil. Yes, Tranquil. Assuming, over. His, assuming his knees check out, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you know, better athlete, more production. And oh, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely. where you fill out. That's where you fill out. And, guys, even still, though, with three picks in the fifth round, I'm not sure all these guys are going to make the team. Yeah, they, they, they no, that that's the thing people have to be prepared for. There are going to be draft picks that do not make the team. They made one make the team last year that had no business making it, but they let guys like Simeon Thomas go and some of those. Uh, those picks are going to get higher. Uh, that is the sign of a successful organization. The other possibility is, especially with those fifth-round picks, they use those, you know, one or two of them maybe to move up for specific targets. Maybe it's moving up in the fourth round like they did for Callaway. Uh, maybe it's moving up in the second round to go get a specific guy or somebody at the end of the second round if they want to move up from the third round, whatever. A Cleveland, so, kid, out of, a Cleveland kid out of East Lansing, Michigan State. Right. Uh, you know, good Christian kid. Damn you, Lance Erlin. Damn yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> good, another, this man another good kid from Benedictine that, uh, you know, if they if they want to go that route. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's so many options, and that's that's the situation they want to be in. Yeah, whoever tagged me in that picture today of uh, Justin Lane in his number 22 Cleveland Browns jersey. That didn't help my afternoon, guys. Made it a little bit tough. Made it a little bit tough. There's no doubt about that. Um, all right. Let's go with one more here now. I mean, I guess it because somebody wanted to do the, you know, the off of Jeff Resnick's tweet, the dream scenario, and it's really hard to believe. You know, we'll put Justin Lane out of the equation. The dream scenario selection at 49. Well, if, if Justin Lane's not there, it's Juan Thornhill for me. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 is Justin Lane, and the fact that he's a corner, um, he's twenty one. 
he's got the the profile he does and the ideal scenario in that sense is even if he's not you know he's probably not going to start out of the gate but what you're hoping is by you know week 14 week 15 week 16 his workload is gaining and he's gaining getting confidence and then he's becoming a real role player or potentially more than that when you get into a playoff round and then you know that next year that he's ready to take over, and you've got your your corners. Uh, but on Thornhill, the dream scenario is uh, you get a strong safety that is effectively a third corner who's always on the field, um, and you play that cover three situation, and he can go down, and he can man dudes up. And when you play teams like Pittsburgh, and you play teams like Cincinnati, and uh, you know. Ultimately, teams like New England and San Diego that want to spread, that want to be able to spread you out, that you have this guy who comes in and he can really take away a player on the other team. And if he can also, you know, the only question will be at that point physicality um, and how he can do, how he does with it. But you're hoping he, you know, this is always the dream. Peppers is that he can man up tight ends. If he can do that, then you're at that point set. And that does not mean he needs to go single cover Travis Kelsey. That's You just don't single yeah. Travis Kelsey. Um, but, you, you know, if you, if you get a guy who can give you those things, so at least they're not getting butchered by, you know, 45-year-old Ben Watson, um, you know, who's who's tearing it up. And, 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 again, obviously with the Ravens, Getting somebody who can come in and potentially give you an option to take those one of one of those guys away—that's the thirteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and now here's uh, you know one of the big signings today, and you know, Justin Houston, obviously in the Apple's cult. Um, there was this guy who kind of comes on lockdown Brown sometimes. Some people don't like him; he's a little belligerent at times. But oh, Pete, nice job, Justin Houston, future Indianapolis Colt. We talked about this with the cap space. The Colts, obviously, you know, did not win their division last year. Won a playoff game. Uh, really, really, really good core foundation right there. Kind of just laying in the weeds, waiting for their opportunity. But, guys, for what Justin Houston signed for, I don't know if the Browns had the money. The Colts still have a ton of money. Justin Houston, you know, may not even start. I mean, he could, you know, he a guy who sees 65% of the reps. I don't know if you could have given that money here for the Browns the way things are working out, but this is interesting signing, but guys, the Browns, you're getting close, Pete, and I use this term today on Twitter, was you're getting close to musical chairs here with the Browns. It's what's left. I mean, there's not a lot of, when you look at what's going to be the 53 that rolls in a week one, you're getting close to that. And, you know, I don't know how you could have justified two years, 24 million for Justin Houston, Chris Smith is here. Jannard Avery is here. They they are your you know secondary uh, you know secondary third whatever. You have other pass rushers that would have just been an added luxury. You can't sign freaking everybody. No, uh, and I I know because people throw this out and go well the Browns still have thirty five million or whatever it is in cap room. The Browns are sp- the Browns are spending I think two hundred and five million on the roster this year. Um, the the actual cap is like 189 million. They are already over the cap, and it's because of their ability to use that rollover cap. So yes. what has to happen at this point is, and they are still trying to sign guys right now who are on their team and potentially restructure some contracts. Um, so they can they're use- trying to trade for a player who carries a 1.8 million dollar cap hit. 
I don't even think it's that high, but it, it, I think it works out to that because of the bonus money that each yep. I beat on that. But but in any case, um, if they don't have the money to roll over, then they're going to have to make more drastic cuts next year. The other thing is, um, even if you love Justin Houston, you're saying, man, uh, you know that would be great, and I'm not going to argue with that. Let, let's take that part of it even out of it and say he is. If you want to make, if you want to go the Madden route, yeah, it's fun as hell. Sure. Well, but I mean, even if you're going to say he's, let's say he's great. Would you rather have Justin Houston for two years or would you rather have uh, Trey Boston for two years or would you rather have uh, Zach Brown for two years? Like I think that's the other part of this is as much as you can't have too many pass rushers, at what point are you robbing Peter to pay Paul? So if they if they are saying to themselves they have the money to use, you'd think – and I may be reading way too much into this, but I took the Trey Boston tweet about give the people what they want as uh, as his way of sort of trying to encourage the Browns to up their offer. So he, you know, to a point where he's willing to come in. Um, and, and, you know, that's that's because we are the show at this point. I assume everything's about us um, and the Cleveland Browns. And that's what you want to know what, though. But when you have Odell here, you have Baker here, you have Miles Garrett here. You're Trey Boston. You're not. You're not tipping the hand at this point. <laughs> no. Right. So, <laughs> it, it, like, even if you love Justin Houston, if they have that money, you're probably looking at the these other guys and saying they can do more for us. Zach Brown. You know, if he's healthy, he's very. Not only is he very good, he, he's not going to come off the field. Trey Boston. If he's healthy, he's going to be on the field all the time. Justin Houston. Again, don't get me wrong. I love pass rushers. But because of what they have with Vernon and Avery and Miles Garrett and you know the the guy that nobody wants to remember is here, and no, it's not Chad Thomas, Hiram. It's it's uh, Chris <laughs> Smith. Um, you know the, the 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 little veteran that can do a little bit of everything, and then you still have Emmanuel Ogba, even if you know we presume he's going to be moved at some point. Um, th- th- where do you get those reps from? Where do they come from? And Justin Houston has never not played on the left side, so that would theoretically be coming out of Vernon's reps, and theoretically be coming out of Avery's reps at that point. So it just the other, yeah, and obviously the Colts do have any amount of money. The only thing that surprised me with the Colts is that they waited so long to act. Um, but look, Ballard, my guess, my guess is their offer was out there, and they said, "Well, you want to know what? Go ahead, beat it." Sure, uh, I, I'm I'm sure that's part of it. But I mean, just in general, the the Colts have sort of been very quiet to this point. But, but you know, you got gathers back. You got gathers back. Yeah. You, you, I mean, so they, you know. I think they're doing the quiet, slow approach, but I mean, obviously they still have draft picks. They, I mean, and they've done a fantastic job in that. The Colts, the Colts are a player. There's no doubt about it. Right. So they look at this. You have Chris Ballard, who knows uh, Justin Houston from when he was the Chiefs. That relationship's there. They, you know, they know what to expect from each other. And the other part of this is obviously from Justin Houston's standpoint. Who the hell is in the AFC South that's going to block him? I mean, it's legitimately the only guy he's going to face twice a year is the, you know, is the kid that uh, the Titans have on that right side who's pretty decent. I don't know who plays right tackle for the the uh, the the Jaguars at this point, and I don't know who's playing right tackle for the Houston Texans, considering the Browns just signed him. Yep. So if you're looking at this from Justin Houston's standpoint, Justin Houston's going, man, I, I want to have another big year. He's looking at that AFC South going. Man, they're going to give me the reps. They're going to let me specifically rush the passer because presumably they still have Jabal Sheard to take most of those, you know, the the reps that are really work. 
and they're going to put me in the best position to succeed. It's on a platter for him, really, to to be great. Um, so that's that's a tough offer to beat. In addition to all the just the practical aspects of this. Well, and you look at Justin Houston, you get eight home games indoors. You get a ninth game indoors at Houston. You're going to play a tenth game on the road in Jacksonville. And wherever the Titan game falls, that's 11 games where you're playing in prime weather for a guy who's had lower body issues. So, yeah, um, it's it, it, it's a pretty dream scenario. Um, they uh, get used to it. I mean, luck Mayfield, that could be something that, you know, brews here over the next couple of years, uh, the way the Colts have, you know, respond, you know rebounded and things of that nature. Um, guys, uh, Pete over at NFL Spin Zone, obviously, guys, this is the prime, you know, time issue for us. We love this part of the year. We love it. We love talking about pro days. Please release the damn numbers, whatever well, we, you're doing. We, we want we, the numbers. We did get one interesting piece of news today, uh, which is out of Missouri. Um, Emmanuel Hall apparently did not have the sports hernia they thought he did. Um, he's being suge- this is from uh, Tony Pauline. They're oh, suggesting they're suggesting you know doctors have suggested he not overdo it, uh, but that is fantastic news from a guy who could really be on a, a really nice target for the Browns in those mid rounds. You want to replace Brashard Perriman? Yes. Right. Like, he's a 4.39 speed guy with good size, explosive as hell. I think he jumped like 144 or something stupid. Uh, Justin Higdon, big proponent of him. His production is good, not great. But he's the type of guy, if you're saying we want to take a guy, we don't need him to, to do a ton now. Um, but he's somebody we believe that could, uh, could help down the road. Yes. Uh, just a hair under 6'2, 201. 439, 141-inch 40, broad jump, 43.5-inch vertical. Didn't do any of the agility, but you know you know what you're getting with him. And if <laughs> so, for example, if you're saying we want a set, what a bet, what is effectively amounts to a discount D, DK Metcalf, yep. or you don't want to spend the you don't want to spend the uh, the price necessarily to get a Hakeem Butler or one of those guys. This is sort of that next level of super explosive guy who can take the top of the field has size um emmanuel hall could be a guy you put straight in your crosshairs from that standpoint oh yeah i mean he would be an interesting fit and if you know look we like brashard and i'll, I'll say it a million times brashard should have stayed 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 this would have been the best fit for you on a contract one year four million for the same money that is what it is and you know obviously we've had our thoughts here on Drew Rosenhouse. But uh, read everything over, you know, Pete obviously over NFL Spin Zone here. Uh, Locked on Browns, the Twitter account, we keep it a follow-back account, guys. Uh, you know, that'll always stay that way. Uh, the DMs keep coming as, you know, the show you know gains more strength to it. Um, I will answer every DM over there because I know a lot of you guys, a lot of you folks listen to the show, but you are not big Twitter folks. That's fine. I get it. I totally understand. Um, if it wasn't job relevant, I Maybe Twitter wouldn't be for me either. I understand. I totally do. Um, me personally, at Jeff uh, underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Go ahead and throw a follow over there. Uh, thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalayan podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And when you get in the car, make sure to tell your car, play podcast, Locked on Browns. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. 
Let's go Browns. Talk to you all tomorrow.